My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. But it's an empty road I feel so alone I forgot what I'm fighting for When the weight of the world Keeps you up at night When you're running with no end inside Thought you would I'll tell you, it's a little bit odd being here on YouTube. It's been a long time, I'll tell you. And so we're going to just have to flex with this until Podbean decides it's going to fix itself. But in the meantime, we're going to, I'll stream here regularly now again. And we'll do YouTube and we'll do Rumble and Podbean. And by next week, we'll have all three of those parallel streaming. And hopefully, like I said, Podbean will come back. But I will say this, and it's really amazing. The YouTube chat is off-chain. It is the best out there, and I enjoy it. And it's it's really, it's very good. So, the um, 
I, I'm actually, I've been resisting some of this, to be very honest with you. I've been very comfortable with Podbean. And there's a lot that you gain. And I, I know I reference a lot of the exchanges that we have with uh, Michelle and Leanna and myself. And it's, um, but there's been a, a lot of discussion to encourage me to expand out and get into these other communities. And I haven't even used Rumble Chat. I know uh, Michelle and Leah use it all the time. And it's just been kind of a, we've sat in Podbean, we've done a good job, but we're going to start pushing out at these other platforms. And a lot of credit goes to Michelle. She does it with them, and she's been really encouraging me to do the same and to do it for the right reasons, which is to expand and have different as aspects of community to come together. Sometimes we forget when we're looking within. I, we have an amazing community that sits there, and when, and from the outside, people see something, I would say, even greater. And a lot of what they're seeing is this amazing community that's come together, and they also see the potential of how much more can happen if we can build those communities on other platforms. The critical thing to this type of community is that we do have chat, and that's what gives us a point of interacting and the Bars Nation group is exceptional in this level. A lot of chat and interaction at a very good level, and it's really what distinguishes us. And it's been built and nurtured over a long time. And it's something we want to preserve and make sure that we do preserve it. So part of putting into multiple platforms is not to split it up, but to expand it and to also, people have different likes. I, Podbean is great. I just, I'll be happy when it finally comes back online. And then, uh, but we have these other platforms. The, the, my resistance has been to YouTube because it has been so highly sensitive to anything we say. And particularly for a while that I, I couldn't say anything on here without getting flagged. I think we're in a bit of an ebbing of that tide right now. And I'm not saying that they are by any means suddenly become saved or reformed. But I do think that there's a, tempering down of some of the extremism that was going on, at least at, at the height of the propaganda and censorship war. And it's still here, but we just have to be, and, I'm, and I'll be honest, I'm not going to be putting on stuff here. If I have things that are divisive and directive and it's suspend the channel, then we won't stream it here. Um, and that's why we have Rumble. So we'll go there and, and that's a whole nother community we can build, which is good. That's excellent. To the root. We talked about it last hour, an axe to the root. And I think there's a lot more to it than just what we're looking at here. And a lot of it is our spirituality and our, and our faith. So much of what these shows, this is obviously in the sense of fishers of men I've dedicated and committed that I would, to you, that we'd be covering a lot of deliverance and we're going to. There's something that's been happening though that we have to be very aware of. I think some of the most powerful deliverance work is to get into the inner healing because it gets into the places that we don't want to go. It gets into the dark alleys and the corners and the, the places that we hide away and we put mortar over the top and we pretend it's not there. It reminds me of a story in Afghanistan. We were going through a village and, and a lot of what I'm going to share here is a matter of perspective too of what we see. So let me, let me preface some things first. The one thing we have to be careful of when we're doing deliverance is we have to find 
the true pathways and roots of pain, not make them up. And there tends to be, that's a dual-hatted thing, because really sitting in that space of deliverance, if you're working with somebody doing deliverance, that other person's not working as a person. They're a conduit with, with the Holy Spirit. And you're listening to what the Holy Spirit is directing to help that other person that you're working with find what will set them free. It's not like you go in. You take a psychologist and, a, and they're going to sit here and study all the methods of how to try to uncork your brain. And you're going to have a system and a method and they're going to follow somebody's suggestions. And that's not the way this works. And unfortunately, a lot of that whole concept of having psychologists is a mockery of the process of deliverance. And it shouldn't surprise you because that whole place right there is satanic versus God's process of delivering. So you're sitting in a, in a place in deliverance and you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And you're listening and looking for what it's showing you and you're paying attention, acutely paying attention. And the more that you work with it and the more you become in tune with what Holy Spirit's giving you, you begin to see the indicators and the pointers and then the clues. It's like following crumbs and you can see it. And sometimes when you're working with somebody, it just begins with some simple questions. Let it get to know them a little bit and just listen to what the Holy Spirit points to. And sometimes you arrive at it right off the bat. And sometimes it takes hours or, or even longer. But the minute that we start to start to take the wheel of this and try to steer it ourselves, we transition from being someone helping with deliverance because we're not working in the spirit and we start to just become executioners of a science. And science in this sense is no better than Fochi. So it's a mock science. And that's not what deliverance is at all. So I'm going to give you a story that gives this indication, kind of gives you a tangible of what this is like. We were sweeping through a series of mountain villages in Afghanistan. And there was... I was working with the special forces team and there was, this was kind of bad guy alley in a lot of ways. And this is way up in the mountains. They've been building IEDs. They had been building a lot of things and we're moving through the villages. It was a beautiful area too, way up in the mountains, lots of trees. Um, and there was this one particular large compound. And remember everything in Afghanistan is built of clay and mud it's just, it's clay from the mud and the soil and the rock and the straw. That's how they build. It's adobe style building. And almost all of it's built by hand. So we came in here and your eyes are looking for evil because that's what you're trained for. You're looking for the wrong, not the right. You're looking for the things that would be out, out of ordinary for our eyes to try to justify what you're seeing in terms of what you expect to find, which is bad. And so we moved through this one, we moved through building after building, there was nothing in there. And finally, we were looking at this one building and it became very clear that there had been a mudded up wall and it was fairly fresh mud. And of course, that's immediately, when you're looking at eyes of evil, that means that something's being hidden and you don't know what it is. And when you're looking for bombs and you're looking for things like that, that's what you target in on. So we did. And the wall was torn down through the mudding and stepped in. And what do we discover? 
We discovered all of the family's things that had been put in this room and mudded up because they had taken off for the season. There was no bomb making. It was just a storage room, and the way they store things when they leave the area is they would put them into a room, which is actually pretty smart, and to secure it, they would mud up the doorway, and they would keep everything safe in a sealed room until they got back. And what that did was it would, it would prevent looting and robbing for the most part, and it would be relatively safe when they weren't there at the house. What we saw was a potential room for building bombs and other things. And it's two, it's two views clashing at once. And that's what you don't want to have happen in deliverance. Because if you take the wheel in deliverance and you're trying to force something that's not there, or someone's trying to force something that's not there in you, all that's going to do is provoke something that it's going to provoke more actions and more reactions and problems because you're imposing an interpretation that's not, it's not of God and it's not the Holy Spirit. So deliverance is a state of being as well in tune with the Holy Spirit when you're working with this and listening not only to what a person is saying, but listening to what Holy Spirit's pointing you to. And it's, it's a refinement of our understanding of the voice of God. And it's very important to understand this because this is what defines successful healing and release versus a lot of stage antics or worse where nothing really happens and therefore it becomes more of a show and a circus. It's a very personal thing that when you're dealing with deliverance and it's just like testimonies. Like people giving their testimony of coming to Christ, that's not something you slap up on a podcast and start advertising like it's the latest great event, the headline news of you get to hear such and such and his great story. These are personal, very, very revealing stories of why people came to Christ. Just like in deliverance, a lot of these stories are very private and very personal. But you're, there's a trust there that's beyond you. And so there should be a trust that's beyond you if you take testimony from somebody. So we have to value these things because they're not uh, to be handled lightly. And we cherish them. And it really gets to the root of words are the power of life and death. What we speak into the world has effect on all of us. We don't really value words, unfortunately. And we have gone to a point where we speak carelessly, and in so doing, we, we speak curses. An example is just how we speak to children and, and to one another. And it's a point where if we value what we're saying, then you should be able to raise people up and lift them up and speak life into them. If we don't, you're going to see us literally taking life away. And it's easy to it's easy to do that without even realizing you're doing it. I, we were on a call the other day, and Hannah was producing, showing some of the, what I thought were graphics of the new website. And I made a very negative off comment to the graphics 
not realizing that she, she wasn't showing me what, the, what was the actual website. And that can be just heartbreaking. Fortunately, Hannah's got a thick skin, and she just rolls with it. And she's like, okay, boss, no problem. But that's not even fair because you can, just, you can destroy somebody's process and their inspiration. Someone wrote in here, unspecified, you didn't turn on Podbean. The answer is no, I didn't for this show. Yes, I did on the previous show. And just for the highlight, we're over here on YouTube because Podbean is so bad right now that any, they couldn't even hear the voice last time. We had to have a mod dedicated to flag people over. So we'll do it. We get to uh, Sunday. We'll put somebody over there to flag people over. We did it earlier. So, anyway, we have, to be, we have to take the value of the words we're given. And we start to live within Scripture. We start to find that there's a way to speak even that's given to us in Scripture that lifts people up and doesn't put people down and destroy them. And I, I'm like, I've got plenty of those to carry of the people I've destroyed with words. I mean, let's face it, I worked in information warfare. Right, and there's ways to. You know what you're doing in those places to gut people or lift, lift them up or destroy them, and it is powerful what you can do with words. Otherwise, even the, the concept of information warfare wouldn't exist. But it does for a reason, because with words and images, you can completely rip a person to the bone and leave them paralyzed disabled, impossible of functioning. There's so many parts of that that is so important. So it's critical that we value what we say and understand the impact of that in all things that we do. We struggle a lot right now with a concept of pains that we carry, the frustrations we carry, the anger that comes about, especially when we get to the visceral issues of children, and we struggle a lot with forgiveness. And the words that we speak tie into that very effectively. Words that we speak build a lot of what's in our heart. And when we're speaking out against things of anger, we also are putting anger within us. I'm not speaking from a point of any sort of perfection tonight, trust me. Just more of a process of looking at what's been happening and where we're going. Someone asked me today about, you know, what about anger and righteous anger and the whole concept of seventh generation warfare, which I talked about the other night, which was actually a term I just created the other night because it doesn't officially exist. It does now, but it didn't exist. And that whole principle of seven-generation warfare is that we're actually operating within the heavenly realms first, and we're using spiritual warfare to counteract the sixth, fifth, fourth, third, those types of levels of, gener of warfare. We're counteracting them by beginning in the heavenly realms and using our prayer and our tools there to combat that and then to bring that into our life where we walk as the place of stewards and warrior healers. Because we have the greatest judge in our pocket. We have the greatest judgment in our pocket. It's not us, it's God. 
So I'm going to walk you into a difficult place tonight. It's one that I've been working with in the last few days and God put it on my heart, and it's not easy. In fact, I shared it with a really good friend of mine who's a solid Christian, and even he had to take a breath, but agreed that this was ultimately the goal. So I want you to think for a moment of this. You have to understand that many of the crimes that we see, I'd argue probably most, are influenced by evil. So the perpetrator of the crime, is it, the, is it evil or is it the person? In the sense of how they got there, there's some measure of free will that holds them both accountable. But this is where we get into the complications of the spirit and the flesh. A pedophile, Jesus has said, those who do harm to the little ones would be better off with a millstone and cast into the sea. And that's a question of do we have that judgment? And I would say we probably do, but we also have another mission. So hear me on top of that. And I'm going to point to Jeffrey Dahmer for a minute because he accepted Christ before, the, before he was executed. He received punishment and judgment, but he still had the doorways open to receive Christ. So when we're dealing with a lot of the criminals we're seeing, and the damage to children, there's a number of things that we're not factoring in that really need to be done if we really want to save the children. When we take a child that's in an evil environment and all we're doing is picking that child up and ripping it from that environment, we're actually leaving a, a connection to that environment and the child without doing any sort of spiritual break of those ties. So I understand the speed of operations and many times they have to get in, get out, get those children, I get it. But in a perfect world, you'd be able to get in and not only take the child out, be able to work it with, a, with somebody who was good or a team of people that were good with deliverance and had a good grounding in the scriptures to be able to not only pull the child out, but break those ties, those bonds, those spiritual connections that would allow the child to more rapidly heal spiritually so they could heal physically. But because we think always in the physical world, which we do predominantly, all is thought about is take that child and remove them. But there's some other part of that healing that this is where things get a little crazy. Because the person that was abusing them, we can break those ties, we can work that spiritually, but if you want total healing, that person, I'm not saying they're excluded from judgment, so be very clear about this, but that person also needs to be led to Christ because you're going to see big healing then. And that's a tough one to walk, I'll tell you right now. And I'm saying it from a person that's telling you it is a tough one to walk. But we still have the need to try to get that person who's done that crime to be delivered and brought to the feet of Christ. And that's where we're starting to really heal the greater body and looking beyond what we see and starting to understand that we are not of this world, but we are here as stewards of this world that does not relinquish in any way or form their accountability to the crime. But just because they've done the crime doesn't mean that they shouldn't be brought to repent and be freed in Christ. And when we start to do this, we start to get into a, a larger understanding of healing greater than we can comprehend because we're unhooking things that are tying other people to them. It's a, it's a very significant shift in the way we see criminality and law and order. And it's what makes 
the whole concept of the laws of men in certain ways seem so convenient, and yet how quickly they can turn bad. Because they don't account for the complex, and they don't account for the nuanced, and they don't account for a very critical aspect, which ultimately is evil versus good. It's an interesting thing I was receiving today and talking to a friend, and they were pointing out hoarders. Yeah, I think everybody knows a hoarder. And their comment was that hoarders are just a reflection of the number of demons that are in somebody's lives. And the minute they said this, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go back and rethink everything I've just thought about hoarders. Hoarders are tied demonically to every single piece that they have. There's a demonic spirit involved there. Their term is you're not looking just at demonic spirits. You're looking at pits of vipers. And every everything around them is a spiritual connection of the dark side. So if you're walking in, if you're taking something from someone who's a hoarder, you're going to go out. It's a physical tear in their spiritual body. It's why they, they don't, can't do it because it's a demonic tie to every single item. And when you step back for a minute and you look at that one idea of taking a house of hoarders, I have one next door to me, by the way, and they can't let go of things. That's a demonic presence, many, many demonic presences, a, de- a pit of vipers that has moved in and tied themselves to this person. How do we break that? What do we do with that? Obviously, we begin with prayer. And we begin praying against it. And we begin by praying to break the strongholds. And we begin to pray into it. And that's ultimately everything pivots back to that. The power of prayer and the power of love. Because the one thing that evil cannot stand, it cannot withstand, is love. And it's the one thing that we don't give enough of because we like the anger of the flesh. We're being brought into another level, all of us. question each has to face is, do we want that next level? And you have to leave behind a lot of things that you've become accustomed to and perhaps even enjoy to step into this next level. And it's not exclusive. I'm not talking about it's for me and not for you. It's for everyone right now. But that doorway is open and it's one that we each, one have to, each one has to make a choice. That next level, you have to let go a lot of the things and the, the emotions and even the things that we've come to like so much. I would argue that most people at a certain point like their anger. And we don't know how to live without it in certain instances. Most people like their pain. And they don't know how to live without it in most circumstances. And it becomes a normal for them that, design, that becomes a, def, a defining characteristic of them. And this is at the root of deliverance again. Because the idea is to undo those things so that you are revealed in the true essence of who you are before the throne. And that's not what this system wants you to do. This system wants you to feel unworthy, broken down, lesser, all these things. 
and to become dependent on it so that they can tell you who you are and what you look like, what you feel like, what you're supposed to act like, who all of these things. But when we start to peel that back in terms of deliverance, you're starting to step into who you truly are, which most of us don't know. And that's where you become the greatest threat. The greatest threat to evil, when you start to realize that we have the authorities on this earth to destroy evil. We've been given dominion over evil. And that was, Jesus has said that to us. So the real question is what path are you going to take? Are you going to take that path that's going to demand of you to stand vulnerable and naked before the throne and maybe and necessarily share much of your testimonies that you don't want anybody to know about to a real world? Or are we going to step into a place where we stand before the throne and we say, Father, here I am, and now open that up and expose everything, your darkest secrets? Most have not stood Most have not stood before the Father. Completely vulnerable and naked to the heart. We tell ourselves we have because this is what we tell ourselves. I'm forgiven because Jesus died on the sins and died on the cross for my sins. But that doesn't open your heart up to God. That tells you that you're freed from the from the chains and the bonds of the things that were built in blood, he, with his own blood, he broke those ties. He sealed those contracts. He set us free. And that's all the more reason we should opening up ourselves to be the Father and saying, Father, let me show you what's inside. Let me show you the things that I've done. And they're not perfect. And some, in fact, some may be horrible. But let me show you the things that I've done. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. See, these are the deep seeds of what great deliverance is. Because there we start to face the world as we are. No more suits of armor. No more costumes. No more masks. No more personas to try to be something that you're not. Rather, you stand there naked before the throne, vulnerable to the core, and letting those eyes of our Father cut right into you and say, what about that? But hopefully we get to the point that before he even has to point to it, you can say, Father, let me show you this piece. And I repent. And let me show you this piece. And I repent. And each one time that we repent, we get a little stronger. We get a little better in our walk, a little closer to Jesus. And that's where we start to step into the greater anointings of the sons of God. Our greatest weapon in this war is love. And in no way am I trying to suggest that we're going to let bad guys roll. But I want to paint a scenario for you here that's a little crazy. But I just want you to imagine the magnitude of what I'm going to talk about. Let's say for this moment that you were able to walk in 
to a headquarters of a big cartel that trafficked kids. And let's say that in that process, you were able to walk in and have a discussion with them, which I can guarantee most all of them are Satanists. And that discussion was about Jesus. And let's say by the time you ended that discussion, that they all came to Jesus. Let's just say that for a minute. What have you just done? Without firing a shot, you completely disarmed their entire organization. Without firing a shot, without losing a life, you've now saved lives by giving them access to heaven. And even though these men may have done horrific crimes, they will be judged in the spirit. But in the flesh, you've disarmed them, taken away their their fear, their things that they do, and you've done it through the word. Do I think it's possible? 100%. Do I think everybody in here will? Absolutely not, because it gets too complicated for most people to execute. But that's ultimately the greatness of a great spiritual war campaign. Just like when you do a great PSYOP and information war, an information war can trickle down to having ground action on certain things. We'll call it an influence war. With an influence war, you can topple nations. With an influence war, you can start wars. With an influence war, you can completely free people or enslave people. So the choice is ultimately about what the tools we use and how we use them and what we're trying to achieve. We have the greatest book in the world to wage an influence war. The greatest thing about that book is it's based on truth, not lies. And we can be in the world operating even though we're not of this world. And as we use these tools and we understand the effectiveness of the information war, and we talk about the information war, and we talk about the digital army, but when did we talk about the spiritual army that itself can topple whole nations? The thing is, we didn't, we haven't, and we need to. We need to be bringing in the whole concept now that Scripture becomes at the center of who we are. And through Scripture, where does it lead us again? It leads us to finding, to getting us to the root of the pain and letting it go away. Because as we marinate in the Word, and the Word works within us, and we then start to work in the world and with Jesus to find those wounds and let them be healed, which only He can do, then suddenly you are finding a new sense of freedom in the world, empowered by the scripture to bow, engage the enemy in an entirely new level. Somebody I know that we prayed for recently, and I, I know that he's, he's a Christian, but he's also relatively new to the faith and hanging on to a few things. And I said to him that we'll pray for you and your son. And we did. And I just told him, I've seen miracle healings. You're going to have to make a choice of whether you want this healing to happen or you want to be a skeptic. Because you can 
be the skeptic and buy into part of the information war that says that none of this is real. We're going to win this war through politics and we're going to win this war through boots on the ground and revolution and whatever else. Or it can be that other person. It says, I'm going to wage an information war with scripture and deliverance. And I'm going to go one person at a time and I'm going to listen to where the Holy Spirit leads me. And in the end of the day, we're going to gut the enemy from within because they can't avoid the greatest truth that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And once that happens, the enemy has no footing anymore. Think about that one for a minute. And that's really the ultimate goal. So, we need to really work very hard at opening our hearts to our enemies. I'm not asking anybody to put them at your dinner table. But I've been humbled deeply by the work I've done at the, at the Church of Glad Tidings because of the certain things that they do. And they stress the idea there of seeking out the one. And they do it truly by going after those that are most broken and most hurt. And many of those have spent hard time or coming out of hard time in prison. And I'm telling you, that's just the stories, as I said and paused, that the people I've met down there that I consider friends and brothers. The places they have walked, most, most churches, most people would never want them in the pews. Pastor Dave's son-in-law and somebody I consider a good friend down there was a former Sicario for the cartels, Sicarian gunrunner which means that he was the assassin. He's on fire for Jesus today. Happily married to the pastor's daughter. That's something, isn't it? He's on fire for Jesus, and he's an amazing person. So how did that happen? It didn't happen through judgment, and, didn't, and he did prison time. How it happened is through love and that constant power of love that he saw something he was drawn to and ultimately was healed. There's no easy answers in this walk we're in. There's not going to be a cookie cutter solution. But the one thing we have to continue to go back to is the root of where we walk from. You have to build a relationship in God. You have to be able to hear his voice. You have to seek him out. And you have to constantly be pushing to hear him and hear him more clearly as much as you can in your life. And so there's tools to do that. Some of that's praying in the spirit. Some of it's sitting quiet to, and waiting to see his face. Some of it is seeking his face. And some of it is just reciting and working in within the word. All those pieces come together to make an extremely powerful foundation to hear God's voice. And the most important thing is you have to ask. If you're not if it's not happening, then ask God to speak to you. Ask God to reveal himself to you. And as we do these things, we become more in alignment with kingdom and our life literally changes. Not in a small way, but in a big way. What do we value? Do we value violence or do we value love and healing? 
easy to say, difficult to maintain when you get into very heated places like child abuse, child torture, mutilation, rape, those sort of things. But we have to hold that line ultimately, no matter how good it, hard it is, of a place where ultimately what we're doing, and it's not that you're giving up the right of self-defense, you're not giving up anything, but in your heart of hearts, everything you engage, you need to be pressing in to the loving and healing heart that will help heal another. And when we get to those places, yeah, that's some traction. That's some change. That's some pretty phenomenal living at the end of the day. So kind of get a whole roundabout tonight, some thoughts and considerations from deliverance to the way we walk. At the end of the day, it comes down to some pretty simple principles. We need to free ourselves before we free others. And we need to keep ourselves free and encourage others to set themselves free. We have to make decisions as a culture where we're going to be in terms of how we're going to walk in our life, who we're going to serve and what those service points look like. Are we going to trust in God and the Holy Spirit or are we going to trust in the flesh? And what is that purpose that we're here for? Why are we here? Are we here to work menial jobs? Or are we here to do great things like save children and build a culture and a society that truly tries to embrace love? Those may not be things that you want to hear, but I guarantee if you sit down and reflect on them, you'll know who is expecting you to hear them. And it sure as heck isn't me. So patriots, walk in love. And keep your eyes on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we're just blessed as we sit here this evening and reflecting on a day of stories and challenges that we face in this walk, the things that we have to overcome. Most importantly, Father, it's the point of getting to our own roots so that we can find a peace to set ourselves free and live in that walk in the Holy Spirit so that we can become closer to you, to know your face, and to be able to walk as true stewards of this earth as children of the Most High. Guide us, Father, where we go astray and embolden our hearts to face another day. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are in an amazing time. We say this many times. We truly are in an amazing time to be witness to something this great as this grand. So, let's lean in. Let's tear down those strongholds and let's live in the yes because when we do that, there is no stopping us and where we can go. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you Sunday morning for 
Sunday morning prayer and healing. It's Coffee with Jesus, Coffee and Jesus. And we will be on YouTube for sure on Sunday morning. And we might be on uh, Rumble, not sure yet. And we will we will stream onto Podbean, at least the beginning, depending on how successful they are in fixing the problem. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you on Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something